On to the intro. On to the intro. <laughs> sure. Backwards. Oh, you're supposed to do it. Okay. Well, go no, ahead. Just no, go say, ahead and do it. Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Gallen. Very calm. Tacking on to welcoming tones. you on top of I'm piggybacking on to Josh's welcome. welcome. So we're gonna keep this intro short, short. and tight and quick if I can So similar in. so similar to me. Sure. Short. Yes. I'm short. So let's talk sponsors. First, TechWell, as you know, coming up in November. November conference, Orlando, November 4th through 7th, 8th, something in there. First week of November. Agile, DevOps, great speakers, including yours. The best speakers. Your, yours, yours is truly the two yeah. of us. A uh, bunch of other speakers. Uh, you know, Josh, can we sweeten the pot for people to come? You know, let me... Is there something you let can me, do? Can you dig around. into? Let can you dig into the wallet? Anything. Let me see. Let me look. Yeah. Hey, look here. What'd you find? Promo code Meta eighteen. M E T A eighteen one eight one eight. What, what's that do for you? It saves him four hundred smackaroos. Holy crap! Really? Four hundred dollars. Four like four zero zero four zero zero. Oh my god! There's no that takes so you have no excuse. No, to come that takes down, away any excuse. Say hi to me and Bob. Give us a high five. We might be recording an episode. Maybe you come on can down. Like say hey or something and hear yourself. So on be there the next day. Be there. Great event. Yes. What else? Some uh, other sponsors. The other sponsor is my Twitch stream, not my Stitch stream. For those uh, of you that listen to, the did you notice episode. I paused? I paused. I know. And I was listening, you know, because I would have made the same mistake. Uh, no. So <laughs> I'm hosting Tuesdays and Thursdays a live Twitch stream you know whenever you say that it, it just keeps me in twitches <laughs> the goal is similar to the live q a sessions that bob and i have done where we bring the metacast live is we just answer questions so come stop, there, bring your questions stop it. it has a community he's building up a community but everyone he's too humble i dominate these sessions josh fights to get a word in edgewise and so he right. has incredible freaking wisdom the, the the twitch is a place where he can shine. So if you want to get real world, up to date, in the trenches information, that's going to blow your socks off, the wisdom, the intellect, the practicality of it, come to the Twitch sessions. Listen to Josh Anderson. I don't give him enough of, I'm being sincere, I don't give him enough of a stage. He is awesome. On to the episode. On to the episode. <laughs> Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. And today we're doing Bob's topic. <laughs> and clearly Josh is really excited about doing my topic. We, so we were just arguing did about the topic. Did you just throw me under the bus? No, you did. I'm just today to we're people, doing Bob's topic and then you just shut up and looked at me. I'm trying to give people a flavor for what goes on before. A flavor? We say, welcome to the Metacast. Well, welcome to the Metacast. There's nothing but politeness, respect between us, Medicasters. It's a very safe environment. It's incredibly safe. No it's one feels safe. threatened. No. Yeah. No. So this is this Only is nice so the topic said. today, trying to change gears, Josh, oh, come on. Uh, is uh, fear, part, toi, toi. 
So this is our third episode of Fear. We thought we'd explore it from all angles. Uh, so this is a different angle. This is mm -hmm. fear of leaders in going agile. Like, yep. what does that look like? Um, I don't even know if we have to solve it. Maybe we could get to like, what do we do about it, uh, or what can they do about yep. it? But but almost let's talk about what it is, like the flavor, the flavors of it, before we talk about. Mm. Uh, solving it or or a mitigating it, like a buffet, like a flight, wow. a flight of fear, a flight of beers, and f f flavor. You know what flavor Flav? You know the flavor Flav guy. I'm well aware of flavor Flav. Do you know that I was on a plane once where he flew on that plane? Yeah, and I saw him like in up close and personal. Yeah, Did and you say he hi? and he had this. No, I didn't say hi. I don't oh. like rappers, but he had this clock thing. <laughs> I don't. I'm not a rapper kind of. I'm not. A, I'm. I don't know. I. I only sort of found out afterwards. He's the guy with the big clock on his. He does wear clocks. Yeah. Like like around his neck or something. Yeah. So he wore that like on the plane. That's like his signature. Is that what it like? Yeah, it'd be like Bob without a moose hat. Do you think he wears that like to the bathroom and to yeah. the shower? Like if it's waterproof, right? maybe it's a waterproof yeah. clock. Like all the time. That's flavor Flav. Like that's who he is. Really, I wanted a clock in middle school. Because of him, yeah. Seriously, don't don't pull my leg. I'm not. I'm not pulling your leg. You were a flavor flave, like what? I, what a I wanted one. A flavaholic. I, I had flavor? one friend. I had one friend that had a clock. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. See, I I did. I wasn't. I was too well, old for that. Because you were stuff. like 75 at the time. Hey, it's true. <laughs> we were talking about polite and respectful. Clearly, that's out the window. Did I underestimate or overestimate? Um, I'm like 29, dude. Oh, okay. I'm in the prime of health, <laughs> both mental and physical, <laughs> clearly. Uh, so let's talk about, so, um, I'll, I'll, I'll tee it up. Yeah. Fear of letting go. Fear. So, so trusting. I back up. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. Let me play that. Just. <laughs> Just. That was the backup tone. The absence of fear. Just like complete denial. Oh. Like that's the worst case scenario. So they have no fear that anything's wrong. Yeah. Oh, I like where you went They're with that. Like, we're cool. Oh, you backed into a, a pile there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's okay. So explore that more. I want to hear more. I think that's a common practice that we see is that somebody who's relatively disconnected from the day to day has this perception that everything's peachy. And Rosie, and oftentimes that person is the one causing the drama and the pain for those trying to implement. So they're not self-aware, right? They're not paying it. They're sleeping, which is really bad for a leader, mm -hmm. right? Like a, particularly a C-level leader, if they're sort of asleep at the wheel, they're not self-aware that way. I I like where you went with that. So lack of total lack of fear or lack of concern. Everything is fine. Yeah, everything's just fine. Like denial. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why we talk. We've talked in this in this series about like the why, and one of the drivers. It's it's not just you know why because I read an agile book, but like what pain do we have, and how do we think agile can really make us better, mm -hmm. right? So if you're so if you have no pain, well you have it, but you're not aware of it. Yeah, then that that would be like a non-driver. That would be a non-starter actually. For that's a really hard place to to drive someone because what you're saying is be then be fearful. Right, and people would be afraid of being. I mean, it's it's sort of nice being in Wonderland, 
You know what I mean? It's like nice Not for a period of time until for, you wake until up. Until you get fired. Yeah. Right? I mean, the board will, someone, so everyone, someone was telling me this the other day, everyone reports to someone, right? right. Yeah. So no matter how high you are, you have a boss. Right. So until your boss recognizes that you have the, your head in the sand or somewhere else, yeah, then you, did you like that? Yeah. That was pretty smooth, that was wasn't it? Nice, yeah, nice. Yeah. So, I, and I've seen leaders, uh, one of the things I do as a coach is try to teach, it's not that I try to do it, but I, I try to generate, when I when I meet a leadership team often, I try to get them, I used to do it with post-it notes more often, and I haven't done that for a while, but I try to get them to, to articulate the challenge. Mm-hmm. I also actually try to get them to articulate what they're good at. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm trying to have them celebrate whatever they're good at, yeah. celebrate the past, but also be honest with themselves about what their challenges are. And a lot of times, folks are afraid to acknowledge uh, the pain. Mm-hmm. They really are. Uh, they're not, and it's not always the case where they're totally immersed. Like they think there's no pain, but they, they, you know, they sort of soften it. Yeah. But this came up in our previous episode about oftentimes you as an agile coach are called in to be the bad guy and to tell people the things and to kind of like wake people up. To some degree, you know, to some degree, you try to do that. You, It's better for you. It's not that I'm opposed to being the bad guy. Right. But I want. I think it's a better outcome if they come to the conclusion themselves. Yeah. If they sort of, if they open it up. Now, a lot of times the team. Um, so here's another fear. Let's say you have a CEO, hypothetically speaking, mm-hmm. uh, who's sort of in that fear denial. But but the but their direct reports, the C level, all of the VPs and right. uh, and the Cs are fully aware of the pain. But what if they're afraid to bring it up? What if they're afraid to tell the emperor that there's no clothes, that he has, he or she has no clothes, right? right? I've seen that as well. So there's the, the denial, everything's rosy, and then there's another fear where, you know, for what, I guess, job security or, you know, aggravating the boss or something like that, uh, there's fear but, of telling the truth. to your point that you made, it's eventually going to spiral out of control. I, absolutely. Like, I don't... I don't understand, like, oh, yeah, we'll just sweep it under the rug. And eventually you sweep enough things under the rug and your rug's on a mountain. But you know what, though? People get away with, it's, it's what's that Peter Principle where people get promoted to the highest level mm-hmm. of incompetence? Right. Or uh, it used to be a joke, but it's true. I've seen people, they uh, they would do things, but then they would transfer to another unit. Mm-hmm. So you can sweep, yeah. you can sweep, th- so you can either, and nowadays with mergers and acquisitions, so nowadays a lot there's a lot of consolidation in tech. So you can either leave the company and get a better job based on your current track record right. and not acknowledge it, or you can leave the group in your current company soon enough and blame it on someone else, mm-hmm. right? Oh, it was mm-hmm. oh, that didn't happen on my watch. Yeah. That was Josh. Josh came in after me and he messed he I gave him a perfect deck of cards. Of course, yeah. Of course. It was perfect. And he just blew it in, in six months or something. So I, I think that's part of the that's part of the dynamic is is just sort of people move on. So I want to ask, do you think that ultimately people are scared of the answer? So they don't want to know the answer, sticking with the fear theme. Like I'm so afraid. Like I've got an idea it's bad. I don't even want to look under the cover. So I'm just gonna pretend everything's perfect. Do you think it's that or do you think it's just ignorance? So cluelessness or avoidance mm-hmm. is that your yeah that's yes. i think it's more avoidance okay 
I think it's so. It really is some level, some amount of fear is driving them to turn a blind eye. Yeah, I think they're afraid, uh, and and again, they're afraid of the size of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're afraid that. Uh, so one of the fears I think of. So I've had this fear as a leader, is if I open it up, and I ask my team to do it. So the, I'll use architecture as an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember years and years ago, I was leading a pretty large team. And we had uh, technical debt running rampant. Mm-hmm. And all of my architects, they would always come to me, and their answer to technical debt was to uh, re-architect the entire freaking product. So you stopped the presses for six months or whatever. Oh, no, usually, you, back then, usually the answer was like two years or something. Yeah. Like, you know, 12, 18, or yeah. 24 months. And I'm not kidding. I'm actually – and so and people would look me squarely in the eye. So it's like we have crappy architecture. Right. Bob, we need to stop the presses. And I mean, when I say stop, I mean like 100 people are going to pivot from doing the shit they've been doing, and, and we're making money on this, yeah. to they're going to do a new project with no deterministic, no no record of delivering anything on time. And it's like, trust us, Bob, do that. And I would, I had a, a fear, uh, and I always got that re- uh, approach to almost everything. It could be a process problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Bob, you know, we have to, re- the manufacturing is totally broken. We're going to have to revamp the entire manufacturing process with all of our vendors, et cetera. That'll take 12 or 18 months. And I'm like, okay, we're not going to do that. So I, I think I would stop, I would stop trying to solve big problems. I would mm-hmm. avoid big, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah, I got, if I got answers like that, uh, I was afraid, I don't, afraid, but I mean, it was like, it's like, shit, we cannot, I, I so I would avoid those things. Yep. I would avoid, I would avoid asking people for their ideas. If I knew that it was a big problem, I would avoid throwing the big, you know, 800 pound gorillas on the table because no one would ever offer. And it, back then there was no incremental approach. Mm-hmm. It was always, you yeah. know, sort of take this, blow up the business. Truly a version two. Yeah. And uh, but to be honest, I know I've gone down three notches in your eyes. I can I know I suck. I can feel it. But I would I would avoid those things. And it's I was actually pre- I was actually pretty good at it. Yeah. You know I would I would like do diversions and stuff. <laughs> no no no. Look over there. Look. Oh, we have a you know we have some bugs in that component. Maybe we need to fix those. And oh yeah yeah yeah. We'll go do that. And then I would sort of like smoke and mirrors, and then folks would forget about it. And it's like we would deal with the 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 yeah. garbage technical debt uh, until the next, you know, until the next year. The other thing is I think it's, I think it's a government thing. I've, I've seen this with Trump is if you change, what what is it like fake news? So there's a current, he's had a disaster. So what does he do? He deflects mm-hmm. and he creates another fake news thing and people forget. Right. There's only so many disasters people can sort of think about at one time. So they start chasing the shiny right. failure object and there's all these other things that are really broken. So you can you I, I've done things like that back in the day. I don't do it nowadays so much because I don't think people have I that think mentality. We all as leaders, especially when we were starting, avoided the hard thing because it was the hard thing. You didn't know how to navigate out from under it. You didn't have a good mentor that would kind of take you and say, "Okay, well, I see it. Here's what you do. Here's how you tackle this." Well, I didn't get incremental answers, so I never, you know, I wasn't afraid of dealing with people issues. But I was, I would, I would get, and I'm, I'm not trying to focus on me, but I'm saying, I think, I think folks, there is this sort of, there is a, you know, a fear, you know, there is a fear response, right? You are afraid of, so I don't think it's cluelessness. I think it's, I'm afraid of something and then I ignore it. 
uh, which is even worse. Mm-hmm. So if I'm clueless, I give I give me a pass. Right. But if I'm in avoid if I'm in a leadership role yeah. and I'm in avoidance, uh, that's a bad that's a bad thing. Well, that's the thing that we've talked about that we both have evolved into of just understanding the responsibility you have in that role. When you're first in it, you don't really get what you're up against. You don't really understand everything you should do. It becomes you've got to learn through experience and screwing up. And those were screw ups that at some point backfired on both of us. And we're like, okay, I'm not going to let that happen again. And how am I not going to let that happen again? Oh, I'm going to react to these things. I'm going to find a way to incrementally improve the architecture. All those things. Do you think leaders, uh, so imposter syndrome, do you know what I mean by mm-hmm. imposter syndrome? Do you think leaders are afraid of not knowing? Uh, and I want to tee that up to you. So do you think uh, part I don't of think it? a leader does. I think some people in leadership roles do often. Okay. I think well, a that's really what good I mean. leader. That, yeah, to me, but, that's the thing. But we're talking separate. about fear yeah. in leaders. So yeah. we're, so it's probably, the, you know, we could say the really good ones probably yeah. don't, don't listen to this Metacast, right? Right. But, but leaders, so talk about that a little bit. So the imposter syndrome. So we talked about, you know, denial, but what about just imposter syndrome? I mean, do you think that's that's something? Like, I don't know how to tackle this. I can speak for myself. Yeah. I've, I've been in that mode. At times where I felt intimidated, mm-hmm. I like reorgs. I've done reorgs, and and again, a lot of these things are not before agile, right? Because agile has given me some freedom to do things incrementally mm-hmm. to experiment. But back in the day, it's like I, I organized like hundreds of people, and it was like I, I mean, literally, I was making all these decisions. You just felt like you were making it up, but I felt I felt like the weight of the world was on my shoulders, mm-hmm. and I felt like I had to get it right. And I didn't have the recipe. Right. And I was scared. I, I did it, but it was but it was almost like I was walking on thin ice the whole time. Do you know what so I think I think there's a, you don't know. Right? You don't know. Yeah. You don't know. So you don't know what the outcome is gonna be. You don't know how people are gonna handle but it. But yeah, you're expected to have the answer. But so that's the other fear, I think, is that in a lot of leaders' cases, you are expected to have the answer. I remember at EMC we used to have these every two weeks we'd have these status meetings. And every, I mean, I had 150 testers that reported me at EMC, and developers attended the meetings, project managers, test, all senior lead directors, VPs. And the one VP who was like in charge was this guy from the home base in Massachusetts. And he knew every line of code. He was a Unix kernel hacker. Mm -hmm. We were using uh, Unix code for our devices and stuff. And he, I remember he was he was incredibly bright. I mean, he was probably you know an idiot savant or something. And so he would know if you asked him what everyone that reported him was working on, he could articulate it. Yeah, like Bob, you know, he had like hundreds of people, and Bob ran into a bug today, and he's and he's in the editor, and he's fixing it now at line like nineteen thousand two hundred and fifty six. That that's okay, but then he expected everyone to understand that well, you and i've worked at a place like that and i just revolted against that whole yeah. concept i was just there was i saw insanely low value in me running around trying to get an up to the minute status of where but weren't you afraid to some were. degree i mean that share your soul josh no i thought Bear, it was stupid it right? is stupid but weren't you but but you could have been fired josh so, so it's it's career advancement limiting. So, was there a tone of fear? Or? Yeah, but I I just couldn't stomach it. I couldn't so it was, share share your fear, Josh. I, well, I, I want to hear it. Yeah, there was the fear of okay, so everybody else is doing this exactly. But I was like, this is just insane. 
<laughs> but you were at a crossroads. Yeah. And you could have mirrored everyone at EMC. I sort of bucked. I mean, it wasn't even bucking the system. How the hell am I supposed to know yeah. what test well, case every tester like, is supposed to be? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It's almost impossible. And these guys would be boning up the development so manager. Do you, so do you think that guy was just lying? Or do you think he really knew? I think he really knew. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. I don't think he had children. I don't think they knew who he was. I don't think he had a life. No, yeah. no, no. There's some people. I, I think he was incredibly bright. He wrote like a book. He wrote like a Unix internals book. That was like, you know, back in the day when Unix books, like internal, you know, uh, IO systems and things, they were, I think it was like 800, 900, 1,000 pages. So he was incredibly bright. Do I think he knew everything? No. Right. But he he sort of prided himself. He made everyone study. So what he did is he turned everyone into micromanagers, mm -hmm. right? You had to microanalyze it yeah. to try to compete. And there were people who were better. At, he was pretty good at it. Mm -hmm. There were people who were better and worse, more worse yeah. and better. But but there was a choice there. All I'm all I'm trying to say is there's fear. I mean, I think there's fear in Well, I I've had people that I've coached along the way where I had to get them to understand that I don't know is an okay answer. You know, and they were in a leadership role. And when they didn't know, they just basically made stuff up. It, see, exactly. But that's that crossroads. Yeah. People would make shit up. Yeah. Right, yeah, I, it, because it's it's either you can say that or you're not, and a lot of times it's so. There's fear of maybe the culture is expecting that. Uh, there's fear of looking like you don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe I like like I've been Ray. Yeah, that was one hundred percent. This guy's is like I, I ha it's my job to know. That's what I get paid to do. I and get that's, paid to know that may things. not even be the culture influencing him. That's his baggage right, he's yeah. bringing to the table, right? Yeah. yeah. So there's there's sort of you know I. I'm afraid of saying I don't know. Mm -hmm. Now, what's insidious about that is is that's now that's what your that behavior is what your it goes back to EMC or Teradata. Mm -hmm. That leadership behavior seeps. It's not you know if you could self-contain it to the leader, that would be one thing. But this yeah. that model sets the tone for an entire organization. Well, yeah, because the leader was doing it. They to your point, that guy kind of turned everybody into a micromanager. When I've, it's a leader that operates like that, so many people just fall in line. And they aren't willing to do the thing where I, I was pretty sure he almost fired me when I was telling him that I actually trusted the estimates from the oh, developers. Exactly. Like I was just waiting to be fired. So I was in this room at EMC. It had multi two. It had two. It was a round room, and there were two layers uh, of chairs, and it was like a video conferencing area, early video conferencing technology. And you should have seen the way people looked at me when I said I didn't know. Or, you know, what's even worse is I, I said, I have to ask the team, holy yeah. shit, you would have thought that I killed the Pope, right? <laughs> I'm serious. No, no, I'm dead serious. It's like, I have, if I use the words, I have to actually ask the team and check was in with them. Was there an audible gasp? Gasp, people like their little heads. They, they, oh my God, Bob just screwed the pooch, right? <laughs> it was, you know, it, it was absolutely afraid yeah. to, to admit that. I mean, I did it. It's, it's walking through the fear. Um, what about fear? I don't know if we talked about it, fear of losing control. There's this perception mm -hmm. that we're we're the leader, we're in control, we own it. Um, well, that goes back to a lot of the discussions we've had around the difference between management and leadership. Yep. And what has to happen is people have to learn how to transition from management to leadership, and that's 
Yeah, but uh, that's a bit I, of a chasm. That's what I was hoping yeah. to, to get from you. I mean, it's easy for guys like you and I to say that, but that's freaking scary too, mm-hmm. right? It's it's like that's my value. I mean, I've coached managers, and they were so they were so latched onto. But that's my value, and if you take that away, what do I what do I get paid for? Right, right. It's like this tremendous fear of losing. You know, the value proposition is in the telling. Mm-hmm. And they don't see any, like influence doesn't count. It's sort of in the problem solving. Yeah. I remember a guy and I contact one of the managers that reported to me and I tried to coax him and I made some progress and he changed his behavior. I'm not sure. I'm sure he still had fear in his heart. He learned, and maybe that's part of the answer is to learn to deal with it. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I'm sure he was never totally comfortable with trusting the team, right? Or allowing the team to yeah, solve their Yeah, I mean, problems. I've had people that I've hired come to me and say, are you sure we should do this? Are you yeah, sure this, that's, is this really what you want me to do? Yes, it's what That's you, true. Yes, yes that's, well, that's why? true. And then you explain it a thousand times and eventually people get it, but it goes back to all those habits that have built up over time because they were managed and not led. So now you have to do the hard work of getting people to take that leap of blind faith. And become that leader. Yep. So there's a lot of effort and energy that goes into it for folks like us to to transition people into a leadership model instead of a management model where it's not telling. It's working with and empowering and everything right. that goes along with that. One of the reasons why I really wanted to do this Metacast is I think sometimes we don't talk about, you know, we talked about coaching, mm-hmm. fear coaching, and we talked about maybe generic fear. But we I wanted to talk about leadership, manager leadership fear because we often don't do it. Like, like we don't often talk about those folks. Right. And and so here's a very real fear that I don't think ever goes away. And I think it's persistent through any level of coaching. Even we go to sports coaching. At some point, the players are going to make the plays and you've done your job and you just have to wait and see what happens. So there's that pause. So there's a point where no matter whether you acknowledge it or not. Yeah. You're not in. The con- ship has sailed. The ship has sailed. And did you train everybody well enough that they're going to be able to row all the way across the ocean in a straight line? You've talked about this in football. Yeah, I think, and I've seen I've seen Saban say this uh, periodically. Uh, Nick Saban, the Alabama coach. Yeah, it's he hasn't talked about you know hiring. You know, he gets quality players, but he's talked about it's up to the players. Yeah, right. It's like you know, I'm coaching. Yeah. So he's acknowledging he's a leader, but at some yeah. at fundamental level, you you practice all week, right? And then on Saturday, it's not about the coach. Yeah, there so much has gone into that week that right. by the time Saturday or Sunday hits, you find out if you win based on how well you did during the week. Now, yep. yes, there's little tweaks. The Bill Belichick, you know, you're going to make some tweaks to a game plan at halftime, right. but that's that's about it. It's yep. You win on Saturdays and Sundays based on your performance during the week, which exactly. is the same thing that you win in your sprint demo. Yep. Based on how you did throughout that yep. week, but so it's, it's not. It's not the, and you have to. You have to let it go. You right. can't control again. You're coaching during the game, but that's only the twenty percent or something. Using eighty twenty, eighty percent of the success has nothing to do with the game. Right. right. It's practice. It's team selection. It's mm-hmm. personal coaching, mm-hmm. sports coaching, all of that. It's yeah. it's recruiting. It's all of that stuff, right? Yeah. So I think back to every month when we would update our PSI board. So we would stand back and we would have, you know, six or seven teams give us a forecast for what they think they're going to do for the next six sprints. 
And me and my peer on the product side would stand back. It's like, okay, are we going to do it? I'm like, well, we'll find out. We're going to update it in a month as we learn more, you know, but it was that fear of, okay, this, this massive humanity, we have them pointed in a direction, which I'm sort of, which you're sort of responsible for, right? You're, well, it's ultimately my responsibility. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's the other, that's the other, that's another aspect of leadership fear is you give all the credit. I'm, I'm, Team this up. I'm not stating it, but it's you know you give the what what is it you you take all the blame mm-hmm. and you give the credit to the team, yeah. uh, which is a really hard position to be in because yeah. if they screw the pooch, well then uh, okay they'll fire me yeah. because it's ultimately my fault. So there's the fear of so it's letting go, but yeah. also the fear of what's it going to mean to me. But I found comfort and solace in the fact that if it were all up to me to get those seventy people to deliver. And I had to micromanage it. I would die of exhaustion. I would be mentally wiped out. I, I, I don't think I could do it. I don't think there's a any way that I could drag seventy people through a six sprint effort to get something done. So the only way for me to be comfortable and confident is: Have I taught them? all of the basics, all the things, all of the fundamentals that would empower them to be successful. That's what I focused on because I knew at some scale there was no way I could just grab them all by the scruff of the neck and say, here, we're going to get it done. Right. Right. Maybe that'll work for one team or two teams. And that's where a lot of leaders come from is they've done that. It's like, okay, now I got to do it for seven teams. Oh my gosh, I'm going to do that. Right. But when you transition into having that larger group, you have no choice because you just physically can't do it. What do you think the the biggest fear for leaders? I want to, for me, I think it's a fear of getting fired, a fear of losing really? your job. Yeah, I I think there's a lot of there's a lot of insi- I'm, I'm again, I'm not stating this. I I haven't done analysis on this, but my conjecture is there's a lot of innuendo. There's a lot of joking. I remember Hank White was a CEO I reported to in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And Hank used to just joke, you know, if you can't give me the right data, I'll go get an offshore folk. You know, if you can't give me a date and a scope commitment, I'll get someone else to do it. Yeah. He was constantly poking. He was constantly making me feel at risk uh, without without threatening me, right? It wasn't direct threats. There was this innuendo all the time. Uh, and I just felt like uh, it, it's again. I it was ultimately a fear of losing my job. Now, where where my courage happened, I had all this discovery along mm-hmm. the way, but I also incorporated years ago, and I started building my own brand. So, I, so the fear of getting fired, the fear of looking for work, the fear of being unemployed, sort of went away. And I'm like, I can, I can, I can make do on my right. own. Uh, and that emboldened me to some degree. So I, I think the biggest fear, the, all the fears we've talked about are valid for leaders. But I, I wonder, and maybe this is a historical thing. So back in my day, so I get there that. was a lot of that. And I, early in my career, it was that. As my team grew, the fear of letting them down, the fear of disappointing them. Oh, we didn't talk about that. That's 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 what forced me to do the hard, scary painful things so so i i actually buy so not tying it but that's high on my list as well 
the fear of this, you know, like when I've built organizations and I've left, and I know you've done this as well, mm-hmm. at the dude, you build a team. I think one of the struggles you had when you were leaving there, one of the yeah. biggest struggles is leaving behind people. Yeah. Because you have that sense of loyalty to the people. Mm-hmm. You believe in that, you know, you've built this team. There's mm-hmm. some personal skin in the game. Mm-hmm. I, I would buy that as well. I just, There's a team I just, connection. The fear of standing up in front of them and having them look at me and say, like, you jerk. Like, that's not what you told me you were going to do or like you're not you walking your talk yeah exactly right that that's that's that fear that always is behind me in my head in my ear when those moments come up and it's like okay well who would i rather disappoint and it's it's never my team right you know so that's i mean i think i i would agree i think there's a fear of that i, I probably generation i don't know it's not a generational thing but it used, like for me personally, it used to be threat. I remember I worked at, uh, there was a company down here, Tekelec. Mm-hmm. And literally, I w- there was forced overtime. And I had to, and I went there as a manager, and I had to force people to come in and work Saturdays and Sundays. And they had to fill out a spreadsheet with the hours they were committing. And then I checked the parking lot for the cars. Oh, my gosh. Or that was what they were. No, but not just me. That's what the VP yeah. wanted. He wanted all the managers to do. We had to micromanage people. And he, you know, oh, I'll bring in pizza. So I'll feed them, you moron. It wasn't. It was all a game to, for forced prescriptive overtime and stuff. and Which is probably due to poor planning on his part. It, it was. And a lack of being able to defend customers and stuff and just tell customers, you know, mm-hmm. like we would, you know, we would have bugs or something like that. There was always an emergency, but it was poor management. Uh, but I was afraid, um, I, you know, I and I, I left. I voted with my feet. So, but I, it was again, he, that where I was going with it is he was a fear, he was a fear monger. Yeah. He played the fear card. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, Directly, but very, very sort of subtly and not so subtly. And and not only that, he percolated it out to the entire leadership team. I didn't last very long. I I, I said, I'm not, I cannot represent this. Yeah. I've left several jobs where I said I cannot represent dysfunctional management mm-hmm. in, in this chain. And I said, I just I just can't I cannot represent you downward to my teams. I won't do that to my teams. Yeah. Back to supporting your teams. I, I think we ran out of steam, but I wanted to, anything we missed, like what leaders, I wanted to touch on it. I hope you don't mind. I think it's an important, I, I think we need to be empathetic in agile transformations that is scary to the leader mm-hmm. as well. They're, they're people and they're, and they're afraid. I think as coaches, if we're coaching them, we need to come at it from a position of empathy and understanding. And if you're, I actually think it's more, they're more afraid. There's more things for them to be afraid of in an agile transformation than it is for teams to be afraid of in an agile transformation. I think, and I agree with that. And to me, one of the biggest gaps is there's so much documentation process, blah, blah, blah out there that educates the team on how their world changes. Yep. There's so little for management, especially middle management still about here's what this means to you. Well, you know what Les does? Did you, I mean, you probably, I mean, read no. read Les sometimes. I mean, the large-scale scrum. Les yeah. talks about, and I mean, they couch it in agile terms, mm-hmm. which is we're going to simplify agile terms. We're going to simplify the organization. Guess what one of his recommendations is for leaders? Fire the leaders. Delete them all. Delete them all. Or reposition them as as team members or right. something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, again, that's, I mean, agile, that's right out there. Yeah. So there's a lot of marginalization and stuff. And uh 
I was just talking to someone the other day uh, overseas, uh, and they adopted less. And I didn't have the heart to ask them, you know, what were you doing? She was talking about flattening her organization, but I, you know, I didn't have the heart to like dig into the details. I didn't want right. to. I didn't want to. I, you know, I'm like, oh my god. I, but I was imagining, you know, if you if you embrace the spirit of less, well, then you're breeding fear. Yeah. In, you know, into your into your leadership team, and they're not all morons, right? It's like you know, yeah. be empathetic. Right, yeah. you know, you need. I think you need leaders. All right, stick a fork in it. Stick a fork in it, sir. From beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, Metacasters. I'm Bob Galen, and I'm Josh Anderson. Shake and bake. Take care, y'all. <laughs>